You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast on the Creative Church Podcast Network, where we share stories of people becoming who they were made to be. My name is Emily Cummins. This week, Dave Adamson is sharing his becoming story. Much to the surprise of his high school English teacher, Dave Adamson made a living as a TV reporter on one of Australia's top sports networks. But he turned his back on the high-paying world of sports media to become a professional Christian, moving to the U.S. with his wife, Meg, and three daughters, Chelsea, Ella, and Jordan. When he's not working as a pastor at North Point Ministries in Atlanta, he's usually making his family cross their arms, roll their eyes, and tap their feet while he takes just one more quick photo on family outings. You'll also often find him up to his neck in Jewish stuff as he researches the cultural context of Jesus for his daily Instagram devotions. Here is my conversation with Dave Adamson. Well, hey, everybody, I'm so excited to introduce Dave on the Becoming Me podcast today. Dave, welcome. It's good to have you here. Hey, how are you? I am doing great. How are you? Uh, I'm doing really good. Yeah, you know, it's a a hot day here in Atlanta, (laughs) but, you know, you get used to that. It's it's all good. (laughs) So I'm in Florida, and I understand it is hot in the South. Right? It's just humid, isn't it? It's just humid. It's, It's crazy. And towards the end of August, I feel like it gets worse. Like fall is right around the corner. And so it's just yeah. teasing us. But do you think that's because uh, you know that like some <laughs> there's a couple of days you'll get that are really chilly. And, and so you think, oh, my gosh, it's, it's here. It's here. And then all of a sudden it goes back to being boiling hot and 100 percent humidity again. I think you're 100 percent right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's our brains playing tricks on us. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Well, you know, as we're kicking off this episode, what are some fun things about Dave? If someone didn't know you, like just share a little bit about who who you are. Oh gosh. Um, well, you know, I, I once uh, had the opportunity to interview Bob Goff, and I no asked him way. exactly the same. In, uh, I was doing a, a, I was hosting a live stream, and and uh, I asked him exactly the same question that he that you just asked me, and he said to me, um, uh, "My resume is this: I am Sweet Maria Goff's husband." <laughs> And so as, as soon as he said that, I was like, that is just the best. So whenever I get asked that now, all I want to say is I am Meg Adamson's husband. Um, and I'm I also the it. dad to three teenage girls. Um, you could probably already tell I'm not, even though I live in Atlanta, I'm not from Atlanta. Um, I'm from Australia. Um, grew up there for, uh, you know, spent most of my life there. I, I, I st- studied to become a uh, journalist and uh, was a journalist for newspapers and magazines back home. And then uh, for the last seven years we lived in Australia, um, I was actually a TV sports reporter for a show that was our version of ESPN Sports Center. Wow. And uh, had no intention of ever becoming a professional Christian. Um, never thought I'd become a pastor. It had no plans to ever do that. But, you know, uh, about seven years into my TV career, um, God said something different and and uh, picked up my family and we moved to, of all places, we moved to New Jersey, wow. which seems, which whenever I say that, it seems really weird, but we felt so at home there. We felt like, like this was where, I, for me, I felt like this was where I was meant to be. Plus the town that we lived in, it was like a movie set. It, it was like everything we had imagined and dreamed of America to be like. Um, so I, I moved there to take a position as 
a, a, a pastor, specifically the online pastor. Okay. And I was also the creative director there and the worship pastor there. And then, um, yeah, moved to Atlanta to take a position at North Point. Um, North Point Church, where Andy Stanley is the senior pastor. Yeah. And uh, I'm the social media pastor there now. I've been doing that for about five years. Wow. That is incredible. And I love how you kick off your resume, the things about you with your family. That is awesome. Yeah, that is, they are just, they're everything. They're my number one. I, I, I actually just was telling the girls the other day that they are the place where heaven touches earth, earth for me. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's so true, right? I, like I get to experience God and I get to worship God in the way that I love my wife and my girls. That's what I think we're called mm. to do, you know, we're, we're called to, to love our family. And, and it, when we do that, we, we not only experience God, but I think it's us worshiping him as well, especially as a husband, like, you know, God yeah. says, husbands love your wives. So when I'm obeying God by loving my wife, I'm actually worshiping him as well. I love that description and I couldn't agree more. Good. You, know, you, you unpacked a lot of just what has made you who you are, but I would love for you to unpack your story. Like, yeah. Who who is Dave and what's made Dave who he is right now in this moment? Wow, man, you ask some really good questions. Um, <laughs> that's a big one. Um, how far back do you want me to go? Hey, you can start wherever you want or whatever season or chapter in your becoming story that you think is really just significant on your journey. Okay, well, well, let me let me start this way. Let me. Have you ever seen the movie Memento? No, I have it, not. It, it's an interesting movie. It's directed by Christopher Nolan. It stars Guy Pierce. It's an interesting okay. movie because the whole movie goes in reverse. Like the story is told backwards. And so as an audience member, you're putting it together. Like and it takes a while, it probably takes three quarters of the way through the movie before you even realize what's going on. Um, wow. But then it all starts to make sense. And and so when sometimes when I share my story, I really like to share. Uh, I really like to share it backwards. I like to share awesome. from where I where I was. And so... You know, if I go back uh, 10 years before we moved to America, um, you know, I was at the pinnacle of my, um, what I thought was the pinnacle of my career. Um, I was a TV sports reporter. Um, so as an Australian male, I had the job that all of my mates wanted to have. Mm. You know, I was interviewing uh, world-class athletes. I was going to all these sporting events for free. Um, I got to travel. Like, it was just an incredible position. But if you had told an uh, 11-year-old version of Dave that one day he would be doing national live crosses on live television <laughs> um, on one of our three major networks in Australia, um, he would have just laughed and said there's not a chance in the world that that would have happened. And that's because, um, you know, back when I was 11, I was so shy. I was so timid. I was so withdrawn um, because... Um, I grew up in a house where from the age of six to 11, I was sexually abused. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that shapes, uh, that shapes a lot of who you are. And, and so um, that, that period of my life was where I was starting to form my social relationships. And because of that, because of that feeling, I, I grew up feeling rejected and abandoned and worthless. And so as a result, when I would go to school, I was the shy kid who sat in the back, who was very timid, who didn't say anything unless he knew everybody agreed. And even then I wasn't really sure if I'd say it. I got bullied uh, throughout uh, elementary school and into middle school. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know why at the time or what was happening, 
but you know now as an adult looking back and 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 with the experience that i have uh both as a journalist and as a pastor um you know i realized that this this was the byproduct of what had been happening to me uh mm. for all these years in my house um now that all came to an end when i was 11 and um the the whole thing was perpetrated by an uncle who had been living with us and um he one night was attacking my brother and and I, my older brother who was who was really my best friend at the time and wow. and uh, you know the only person I felt like I could really confide in because he was the only person who understood what I was going through and so I went inside and told my parents and my parents reacted and responded immediately and and got rid of my uncle and I never saw him again so uh, really a healing process started for me in that moment but I didn't realize it at the time. Um, you know, our house was not Christian at all. And um, so, I, you know, I didn't have faith to rely on. So I just went, you know, kind of looking back, I kind of limped through um, elementary, middle school and into high school. And it wasn't until, um, you know, I got into high school, I, I think I was a senior in high school when, and I went to a public school. Uh, I think there were like two okay. or three Christians in the school only. Wow. And it was a largest school, like 2000 students or something. And, um, I remember one day there was this one kid at school who had like all these Bible verses written all over his bag, who, um, you know, had Jesus loves me written in in big, bold letters. And he was really the only person in the school who got bullied more than I did, it felt like. And my teacher said, hey, you're going to go and uh, you're going to do a six week project with this kid. And, you know, I was just a little bit bummed because, you know, I, I was just really starting to feel like I was getting out of my slump and then they 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 grouped me with the with the school christian and um i've always been i've always been a curious person i i mean i think it helped me become a a a tv reporter um so i've always asked questions um i used to say that i was always skeptical but my wife keeps saying it's not skeptical that's so negative you it's that you were curious and so now i just use that word so i was very curious and I, i i remember starting this project with this kid and just started asking him questions about faith and about the bible and about jesus and and you know i thought my questions it's funny as you know in that moment as a as a 16 17 year old i thought my questions were just logical questions um yeah. did, was jonah really in the belly of a whale yeah. for three days uh, was there really a worldwide flood um but looking back what i realized the question that i was trying to ask him was if there was a god then why did he let that happen to me? Yeah. Why did he let me be sexually abused? If there's a God who loves me like you you profess and like's written all, like he's written all over your your school bag, um, why did that happen to me? Um, and now obviously I didn't know how to answer that question, so I just kept asking questions around that question. Yeah. But what happened over the course of those uh, four, five, six weeks? Um, this kid answered as many questions as he could. He, if he didn't know the answer, he would say, I don't know. And he would say, I, I'm going to ask my dad. And his dad was a pastor. Okay. And then he started inviting me to his house. And when I would go to his house, what I realized was, A, this kid just, he just likes me because I'm there. He doesn't like me because I'm offering him anything special. He doesn't like me because I'm able to do anything special for him. He just likes me because I'm there. And, uh, I, you know, I would go to their house for, for meals and I would see a family that was functioning, you know, a kid that um, was uh, loved by his parents and, and, and was really accepted. And so my eyes started to get opened and then he started inviting me to church and, and there were people there who just, again, just loved on me and, and welcomed me. And then he invited me to this big Christian event 
um, in in the National Tennis Centre in Australia, which I, I grew up in Melbourne. So if you've ever watched the Australian Open, it was in that centre court that I was wow. at this big event. There was like 15,000 people there. And I honestly can't tell you a single thing that was said that day. I can't tell you a band that played. I don't know any of what any of the speakers said or who any of the speakers were. All I know is there was this giant cross on on the ground, like laying. If you if you're thinking about a tennis center, is laying on the court area, and this speaker at the end of the day said, "If you want to, uh, you know, uh, start following Jesus, come down and kneel in front of this cross." And I remember thinking, "There's no chance. There's not a." chance in the world that I'm going to get up in front of this many people and walk down there on my own. That's crazy. Um, and so I just sat there and then I looked over and my mate was sitting like a, a seat or two away from me. And I looked at him and he had his head bowed. He had his eyes closed and he just had tears streaming down his face. Wow. And I remember in that moment, um, like, like literally hearing God say, he is praying for you. Mm. This 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 kid is praying for you. And the the feeling of acceptance and the feeling of support and the feeling of love that I had in that moment, I mean, it moved me. Not just emotionally, like it physically moved me because I have no idea how it happened. But the next thing I knew, I was kneeling in front of that giant cross. Wow. And I'm bawling my eyes out. And I don't know why. And I don't know what had happened. And I didn't know how I got there. And somebody just put his hand on my shoulder and said, hey, congratulations. You, you just became a follower of Jesus. And he gave me a hug and gave me a Bible and sent me on my way. And so, you know, I, I woke up the next morning and, um, you know, I, I just thought, well, I'm a Christian now. I guess I, I guess I go to church. So I walked. Uh, uh, you know, this was before cell phones, before I had a car. And so I didn't know what to do. I just walked to the nearest church, which was like two or three miles away, walked in and said, wow. I, I think I became a Christian yesterday. I don't know what I'm supposed <laughs> to do. And and the pastor who greeted me, uh, connected me with a whole bunch of kids. And, and you know, I just joined the youth group. And then, uh, you know, that that pastor ended up marrying my wife and I. Oh, cool. Um, and his son is still one of my best friends in the world. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that wow. when, you th when, when I think back to your question of what yeah. is it that made me become me, that feeling of acceptance and that feeling of support, mm -hmm. um, it, despite all that I'd gone through, that, that developed and shaped me into uh, the, the dad that I am, the pastor that I am, the husband that I am. Um, you know, I can think of a, a, a bunch of other things that contributed, obviously, but that was really where God started to chip away at the stone and start yeah. to bring out the the piece of art, this the 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 statue that was inside. I often say that's that's the moment when God uh, picked up all the broken pieces of my life and um, turned it into a mosaic and started mm -hmm. to show me that there was a better picture to be had around my story. And that's really when I feel like I, I started putting my past behind me. Um, and that's what I've been trying to do ever since. You know, I don't want to, wow. I don't want to regret the past. I want to learn from it. Um, and so, yeah, that's really where it all started. That's incredible. I mean, thank you for sharing your journey with us. That's um, my pleasure. It's, it's incredible to see. And one of the things that we say at Becoming Me a lot is in order to know who you are, you have to know whose you are. Mm. And I really believe that all of our becoming journeys, I mean, the most significant chapter in our journey is what you just unpacked when mm. we meet Jesus. Totally. It's when we know him, our creator. I mean, the rest of it is just trusting him with each step along the way. T totally agree. So what do those words becoming me mean to you? 
Um, you know, when when you first reached out and, and we started talking about doing this, what what and I started seeing the becoming me. What I love about that phrase is that it's a it's a doing word, right? Mm, it's yep. it's not. I am me or how I became me, it's right. becoming. Because I think we're still, I think all of us um, are evolving into who God is shaping us to be. It's so like I said, you know, that mosaic that God's, uh, I feel like God's picking up broken pieces and turning into a mosaic. There's still pieces that break off from time to time and he just does something special with them again. Um, so for me, it's, it's all about um, continuing to move forward, um, understanding that I can't grab hold of my future until I let go of my past. Um, it's about being, um, it's about being a constant learner. Um, I don't want to ever stop learning. It's one of the things I try to, you know, I've got a list of, I've, I use Evernote a lot as a creative person. Oh, yeah. I, I rely heavily on Evernote <laughs> and one of my, one of my Evernote, uh, notes is literally just quotes and sayings from, from people who I admire and look up to and respect, or, you know, those things that are, uh, are either biblical or, or just are unknown, you know, just uh, sticky statements. And I just have a list of them that I go through because I want that to continually uh, influence myself and I keep adding to that constantly all the time. And so I'm trying to learn so that I can pass on what I learned to my kids and make that multi-generational at that point. Um, so yeah, becoming become, becoming me is is about the action, about the idea of stepping forward and taking the next practical step in my spiritual journey and my faith journey and and hopefully bringing my kids along with and my wife along with that uh, yeah. on that adventure because they are my first congregation and then you know the people who follow me on social media I'm hoping to you know do something to help lead them and help them take the next practical step in their faith journey as well I love that and it's it's 100% true it's an action verb and it's constantly evolving on this side of eternity that's exactly. A, that's what I love about those two words. You don't ever arrive. Yes. People say that to me, you know, when when people hear my story, um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of reactions that happen. Obviously, people feel sad. Um, and, um, you know, one of the first questions they ask me is, do I think I'm healed now? Hmm. Um, and, I, and my answer is always no, um, because what I went through, I don't think I'll ever be healed from on this side of eternity, yeah. but I am healing. Um, and it's a constant healing process. And part of that process for me is sharing my story with other people, which I've had the chance to do on multiple different, uh, in multiple different ways. Uh, when I was in Australia, I would speak at churches and camps and things like that. Um, I've had the opportunity to share my story at North Point here in Atlanta at a couple of our churches. Um, I shared it on my YouTube channel. I've shared it, shared it on my Instagram and basically, the only reason I do that is I think we live in a very impersonal world. And I just want to be personal because mm -hmm. faith is personal. And I honestly believe that idea that when 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 other wounded people get an opportunity to see my scars, yeah. then that's when they know that there's a healer. Um, mm -hmm. Because my scars are, are, are not a reminder of my pain. They're a reminder of the fact that Jesus is healing me. There are a reminder that I went through something, but I'm getting better. That's what a scar is. So, yeah, what, part of that process for me is just sharing my story. Oh, I love that. I love how you just unpacked that. You know, are you are you a coffee drinker? Oh, I come from Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> that is the coffee capital of the world. Her I'm not just a coffee drinker. I am a coffee snob. I really hate saying that, but I also really love saying that. I, I'm, I'm massive into coffee. So now I have to know, how do you drink your coffee? 
Ah, see, this is where um, this is going to surprise you because I just set myself up as a coffee aficionado. <laughs> when I go to a new coffee shop, the thing that I always order is a whole milk latte. Oh. And the reason is this. If the place can't get a whole milk latte uh -huh. right, then they can't do anything else right. Um, that's how, that's <laughs> how I see it. I used to work for this guy. Um, I used to work for this uh, magazine in Australia and the guy who owned it also owned a restaurant. And uh, he once asked everybody, hey, what if you had uh, one last meal, what would you choose? And we all choose, like we all had these elaborate meals in place. And so we asked him and, and knowing that he's a restaurateur and he said, I would have vanilla ice cream, which we thought was so weird. And he said, if, if a restaurant can't get vanilla ice cream right, then they probably aren't going to do everything else right as well. And so I guess I've just adopted that when it comes to coffee. So the first thing I always order is a whole milk latte. And I, 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 I place my re uh, place i put the place's reputation on that tricks of the trade i learned something <laughs> totally new about coffee today you see, i love coffee and so for a while i assumed of course everyone else loves coffee too mm, right yeah and uh when, when i've been doing these becoming stories people would interrupt me and be like yeah i don't drink coffee and it makes really? me so sad i think you should not have them on your podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> new rule y'all yeah you heard it here first <laughs> if you are not a coffee drinker we just, you can't, can't share your becoming story. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, so if you were having a cup of coffee with another person on their own becoming journey, mm. what would you say to encourage them? Um, there's a couple of things that uh, jump out straight away. Uh, one of them, I, I think I already said, um, and that is this idea that you can't grab hold of your future until you, you let go of your past. Mm. Um that for me and, and letting go of your past is not forgetting that it happened yeah. it's just getting to a point where you're able to look forward with hope without looking backward with re regret um i think that's what we're supposed to do regardless of what we've been through regardless of what's happened to us regardless of what we've done decisions that we've made um and that's part of that process i talked about before about you know you've got to never stop learning yeah. Um, I really believe like life doesn't stop teaching us. Right? right. And so we can't ever stop learning. Otherwise we just stall. Um, right. So my biggest thing would be, I think I just said a couple of statements there that probably wrap it up. Uh, you can't hold You can't grab hold of your future until you let go of your past. Yep. Uh, you've got to keep looking forward with hope, not backward with regret. And, you know, because life never stops teaching us, we've got to never stop learning. Mm. Um, they're the things that I would probably say and then start unpacking them, uh, unpacking those ideas from there. Mm, I love those statements. They're so good and they're so true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know that you do daily Instagram devotions. You're extremely intentional with your social media and yeah. really pastoring people online. Tell us a little bit about the Instagram devotions that you do and how people can connect with you outside of this podcast episode. Yeah, sure. So, um, so you know, about, uh, I don't know, two and a half years ago, I was still just using my Instagram to take photos of my feet at the pool and uh, <laughs> out the plane window and photos of my food, um, you know, just like everybody else did, um, even though I was working in, in social media and, and uh, you know, was in my position as a social media pastor. Um, but um, it all came, it all started to shift when um, my youngest daughter got diagnosed with uh, dyslexia, mm. and she is so passionate about Jesus. She she she's the first person with her hands up in the air during worship, and and she's very an emotional um, emotional worshiper. 
And so she, we knew she loved Jesus, but dyslexia causes her to struggle with reading scripture. So um, we went through a year where she, her bus would leave in the morning at like 6.50 a.m., which, you know, I just don't think is right. I don't think that's right for kids to get up that early and leave, right? So I would get up with her and, and her and I would have breakfast together. And because I'm a photographer, I've got photos. Uh, you know, my wife prints off photos just mm. as an encouragement. She prints photos and puts them around of mine and puts them around the house. And we, we've got all these uh, little areas set up. And so my daughter asked me a question one day about um, God being a, a shepherd and what did, what did that mean? And so I started reciting Psalm 23 to her. But as I did, I walked over to a photo I've got of a meadow with the sun rising and this mm. beautiful oak tree and, and knee-high grass as far as the eye can see. And, and I was talking to her about this idea of what it means for God to be our shepherd while pointing out this picture. And I, I remember thinking that I was explaining something that was kind of a complex theological idea of symbolism and, and the fact that God, the most often used symbol of God in scripture is as a shepherd. Um, and so I thought, I don't know if she'll remember this, but um, about a week later over dinner, she recited everything back almost wow. word for word. And I was shocked. And I realized that it was because she was associating that story with a picture in her mind. And so I just started doing that every morning with her. Um, I, would, I would have some either some photo or some tangible thing that she could connect with. And so after a while, I just thought, you know, what? I'm going to just put these on my Instagram account because then if something ever happens to me, all three of my girls will be able to go somewhere, Instagram, and find out everything their dad knew about Jesus. Wow. And so I literally just posted a photo and started writing a couple of things. And, and um, like it wasn't really, it wasn't, certainly wasn't what it is today at that point. Uh, I mean, it was close. I was just writing a lot shorter. And so it just grew from there. And two and a half years, I guess nearly three years later, um, you know, there's like 34 and a half thousand people as of today that read it um i've written two books out of it now um and really the the driving force has always just been i I didn't expect it i didn't do it to get followers i didn't do it to write books i did it because i wanted to teach my kids everything i know about jesus and so that's really all it is so since then i've been to you know been able to go to israel twice and take landscape photos there and and use that to to tell deeper stories about what it means to follow jesus and, and some of the uh, the the hidden gems of the scriptures and and i just keep unpacking it and i keep learning and and it just pushes me to keep reading more and studying more so that i can keep writing more so that i can keep teaching my kids more and now i've moved it to uh, YouTube as well, um, because my kids are just, you know, I've got three girls, 14, 14, 15 and 17. So if anybody listening to this could be praying for me, that would be <laughs> so helpful. <laughs> um, but now they're always on YouTube. So I, I've started doing this on YouTube as well. And, and yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's crazy because I didn't expect to get anything out of it, um, except to teach my kids something, but it's obviously blessing a lot of people. And I can just say, be so thankful to God for that. Um, it wasn't something that I was seeking and it's not something I really push, but yeah, I've got to, had the opportunity to do a bunch of great stuff because of it. That is awesome. Yeah. And y'all, you definitely need to go follow Dave and read these devotions. They're so good. We'll have the link in the show notes so you can click there easily. Yeah. But Dave, for the sake of the episode, why don't you just share your Instagram handle here right now? Sure. On Instagram, I am Aussie Dave, A-U-S-S-I-E, Aussie Dave, D-A-V-E. Um, and I'm that on, uh, you know, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube as well. That's awesome. 
Very cool. Well, Dave, thank you so much for unpacking your journey and sharing how you're becoming the Dave that God made you to be. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Before I go, I've got yeah. one question for you. Oh, you here didn't we go. tell me what you didn't tell me what your coffee was, your coffee <laughs> of choice. So here's the I start my day with just a cup of black coffee, just plain dark black wow. coffee. Yeah. But then throughout the day, I usually like I have a strong sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. So depending on my flavor of choice, I will be like the total girly coffee person comes out <laughs> like the peppermint mocha or right now I'm counting down for a pumpkin spice latte. All the things that uh, coffee enthusiasts are, you're probably shaking your head like Emily, you just went down, downward yeah, real fast. I, I need to get off this podcast quick now. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I really like the black coffee straight up. I can't even do that in the morning. I always have a little bit of whole milk in it. Okay. Um, and if I need something sweet, I I go with coconut sugar. Ooh, that sounds really good. I need to well, try that. It's just a little bit healthier than processed white sugar. So Absolutely. if I'm going to have sh- like it's because there's enough. It, the interesting thing, if you have a whole milk latte, you shouldn't need sugar because the, the whole milk is sweet enough. Mm, yeah. um, so that's that's another reason why I go for the whole milk latte, because it's nice and sweet. And, and so I never really have any flavors caramel shots or anything i'm just super simple although if i go into a starbucks i'm Mm -hmm. not that simple it's always a whole milk latte to 135 (laughs) degrees please and they're always looking at me weird 135 degrees yep i know you've got a thermometer and i know you can do it 135 because what happens is they they burn they scold the coffee they they scold the milk and when they pour that in it burns the coffee and so the coffee always has a burnt flavor at Starbucks. So if you ask for it at 135 degrees, that's the perfect temperature for a latte. That is my next coffee order for sure. <laughs> I'm definitely going to try that. I love it. That sounds awesome. Well, Dave, thank you. And I hope that you have an awesome rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Thank you. To learn more about Dave and connect with him, visit the podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. You can also find show notes at becomingme.tv. Again, that's becomingme.tv. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Becoming Me podcast on the Creative Church Podcast Network. For more information about Becoming Me, visit us at becomingme.tv. Also connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with at becomingme.tv and connect with us at Creative Church at creativechurch.com that's crtvchurch.com also check us out on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook with at creativechurch Church.